Hello, and welcome to the Claremont Bible Fellowship Bible Instruction Time. We now turn you over to our speaker for the day. Happy to have Brother Frankie Gomez with us, and we're happy to be our speaker at this Mother's Day once again, and we turn the remainder of our time over to Brother Frankie. Good morning. So speaking on so many Mother's Days, um, I've the last few times now I've kind of strayed away from typical Mother's Day passages, but have found links back to um, to mothers, to moms, um, um, particularly things that I remember from my own mom, and really. Um, in this message today, we're going to be in um, Paul's letter to the Ephesian believers. Um, we did read some from Ephesians chapter 4, um, verses 1 to 6. Our brother Bill came up and read those scriptures. Um, there are other passages that I was going to be turning to this morning, are John 17, which we read um, those particular verses during our remembrance uh, meeting this morning, um, also First John chapter four, which we read some of those. So um, definitely, um, definitely know we're in um, something that the Lord has laid on my heart um, that I would be in His will to share with you all this morning. Um, this um, this particular study that we're going to be looking at today comes from a series of messages that I remember listening to writing with my mom um, to, back and forth all over Miami as we went to different things um, from a, a preacher named Tony Evans, um, who some of you may know, Tony Evans. He was on the Miami radio station, quite a Christian radio station, quite a bit. It was a series um, called, um, and I, I've shared some of these uh, some messages from this series as well um, about a study in spiritual passion. And, I mean, what, what adjective describes a mother better than passionate? Um, better than passion. Um, passion for her family, passion for her children, passion for her husband. A godly woman, passion for the Lord's work, um, and passion for the, the children that they come in contact with, passion for brothers and sisters in Christ, passion in their, their spiritual gift. Um, and here in Ephesians, it's the, the culmination of that series of messages that I remember listening to, um, and just some notes from that and my thoughts from that. And the culmination of spiritual passion would be something else that a mother seeks to instill in her family, and that's peace. Um, the culmination of spiritual passion would be peace. Um, some of the other um, benchmarks along the way, um, I know I've shared some of these with, uh, with you all, some individual studies into them would be a prerequisite for spiritual passion would be emptiness. Um, the price of spiritual passion is sacrifice. The pain in spiritual passion comes from that sanctification, would be painful. The patience that comes with spiritual passion has to do with submitting to God's will and His timing. Um, 
But the power of spiritual passion comes from the Holy Spirit that's within us. And the peace of spiritual passion that we'll be looking at today comes from grace. And is found in the unity of the body of Christ. If we think of a culmination of, of passion, a culmination of, of passionate times in American history, um, the, the climax of passion, um, sometimes we, we think of great addresses to the American people. And you think of the Gettysburg Address, the, the climax how much more are we going to take of this? Um, you think of the I Have a Dream speech on the, the end of the March on Washington, ending before the Lincoln Memorial, and we think of that the I Have a Dream speech. When we think of, of Passion Week, of the Lord, Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ's Passion, we think of John 17. And we read... We read those the, the prayer of the Lord Jesus, what His passion was. And we see it in what John understood as one of the disciples that could, that could hear his prayer and remembered his prayers. John remembered what his passion was, that we love one another. That's God's desire for us that comes from the Father that the Son sought to show us in His ministry was love for one another. And you think of the sin that was rampant in Israel during His ministry and during His public ministry. But His, his message was unity. His message was love. His message was compassion. The, the ones that He sought to correct were the ones who were outwardly living the most holy lives. Those were the ones that, that, he, that he corrected the most. To the masses, it was compassion and love. To his disciples, it was compassion and love. Um, in what we read in John, the very fellowship with God hinges, uh, hinges on love. The evidence that we know God hinges on love. And this is, this is why we have unity. This is why we have peace. Because of the love of the Lord Jesus. We know the key to unity is Calvary. The key to our love for each other is Calvary. The key to our peace is Calvary. In, um, it's because He paid for it. That's why He's so passionate about it. He paid for it. Um, in Ephesians chapter 2, and let's look at this. The, the, through the lens of grace, through the lens of grace, you know, a lot of times when we see people we, we see their face, right? We see their race. We see the, their place, right? That, and we fail to show grace. We fail to show grace. Um, in Ephesians chapter 2, 
we see that peace is built on grace. Ephesians chapter 2, Then you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit now, that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Those people that, that you see, that you look down on, that, that, that spirit that's working in them, that, that spirit it was in you. The ones that are now alive. Among whom also, in verse 3, we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For, he, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. That all we have, all we have is because of grace. All, it is by grace we have been saved. That um, The hymn that um, that we sang, we don't know why. Is it true? Do we have that attitude that we don't know why? Or do we seek to come up with reasons why we deserve what we have in Christ? In our minds, in our, in our hearts, sometimes, especially when we compare ourselves to others, do we, do we think ourselves having, having, obtained, having obtained favor through our works, having obtained favor through anything other than the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. It's God who is rich in mercy, who loved us when we are unlovable, when we, um, when we are sinners. And, and we see that this prerequisite for peace, um, we'll keep reading verse 11. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who, were, who are called uncircumcision, by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enemy thereby. 
and came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Yes, there were some that were afar off, there were some that were close, but nobody was there. Some were far, some were close, but nobody was there. We have access by one Spirit unto the Father, because He gave us peace. We, there was a lot, of, a lot of passionate words in there. You think of having abolished in His flesh the enmity, having slain, in verse 16, the enmity thereby. One definition of peace that I found sounds like that. It's the annihilation of previously held hostilities. The annihilation of previously held hostilities. That's peace. Only peace can come from completely annihilating previously held hostilities. There's none left. And we see that grace is the key to peace and unity. Grace is the key. Um, Understanding this concept, that there's nothing that we've done to deserve, to deserve this peace with God that we now enjoy. And that the only reason is because of Calvary and the only reason is because of grace. If you really, if you really dive deep into that thought, and you see the concept, um, the concept of redemption, the concept of... of um, as the hymn writer, the hymn that we sang of, of the grace being given, of how the grace was given. I mean, you think of the, these words that we throw around like, like redemption and it truly being a market purchase. It's a market purchase that the Lord has purchased us out of the slave market. The concept that it did not have to be me. That it didn't have to be me that this grace was afforded to. It didn't have to be you. God, He came to save sinners, but we know, we know that not everyone, we know that not everyone will accept that gift. And we think of why me? That's, that's where we find the, the peace. And that's where that power for unity, the power to love our brothers and sisters in Christ, the power to love those around us, the power to love those, yes, within the body and to love those without, that our, that our testimony would be pure, the power to be about love is an acknowledgement that it didn't have to be me and that I, I could very well be the one that, that hates God and that is interacting with somebody who knows God. And if I was on the outside looking in, what would draw me? What would draw me? And then we get to the heart of why the Lord Jesus would say how they'll know, 
how they'll know we are his followers and what he wants us to be known by. There could be, there are many things that Christians are known by. It could be known by our piousness, known by our study of the word. We could be known by our reliance on, on God. We could be known by our knowledge of the scriptures. We could be known by a righteous life. But what the Lord Jesus wanted us to be known by is our love for one another. And John, as the last living disciple, um, he saw the he saw the the rise of Christianity in in and around Judea, and he, and he saw he saw the persecutions. He saw his brother be the first martyr of the disciples. Of the, of the 11 that were left. Um, he, he was the only eyewitness of the disciples to the death of the Lord Jesus. He was the last one, and yet in, his, in the end, all he would say is, little children, love one another. Love one another. Endeavoring to keep the unity. And we read... Um, from Ephesians chapter 4. And let's look into those verses. And, and being a unifier, we know our peace, our peace comes from that acknowledgement of the grace received, that undeserved favor, that acknowledgement that it didn't have to be me, but it is me. And and the unity that we have with one another. That's the, the hallmarks of the peace that we have of, as a believer is our acknowledgement of the grace we've been given and the unity that we enjoy with other believers and that love with, for one another. In Ephesians chapter 4, that the result of that acknowledgement of grace, um, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. And think of these, these descriptors of, of, of believers who are walking worthy. With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Um, lowliness and meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. You know, another phrase that popped up in the last hymn that we read so many times was, was carrying our cross. Carrying the cross of the Lord Jesus. And to think of how many times, and I know it's popular, you see viral videos going around and a lot of times these very angry people in the midst of their of their anger and their their monologues of anger that spew hate they say that they're a christian a, a man of god or a woman of god in, in the midst of their of their anger over over what over having to social distance or over having to wear a mask or over having and if those things are so difficult to you but yet you go to church and say carry your cross and and those things 
are difficult. Um, those things we don't want to do, but we'll say, I'll carry my cross. Um, it Lowliness and meekness with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Um, and then what, what, what is it that unifies us? What are, the, what are the things that unify us? Other than just being partakers in the undeserved favor, enjoying the grace that we've been given. Um, in, verses four, in verses 5 and 6, you see there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all, and in you all. Um, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Um, no one, no one of us can claim superiority in any, in any of those things. Superiority in faith, superiority in, in who our Father is and family. Um, superiority in baptism, uh, baptized in the same baptism. We have one faith, one God, one Father of all. Um, you know, a section that I've always looked at, and we'll, and we'll close with this section, as far as um, unity um, applied. Unity applied to a group of, of believers. Um, Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6 and verses 1 to 6. Galatians chapter 6 and verses 1 to 6. This is brethren... If a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Um, this, this unity in the body, and you think of some of the things here, you see, well, it's contradict, there's contradictions in them. Think of that last verse. It says, let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth. Um, it, it shows a, an equalness in believers that that those that teach um, need teaching. Um, him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth. Um, there's there's a back and forth that is always there amongst the brethren. Um, and in these verses, considering a man that's overtaken in a fault, um, think of the equality there in the way that that's handled um, among a group of believers. Uh, no one in this, in, 
no one in this example is claiming any superiority over the one that is overtaken in the fall. Each man knows his own faults, even though they may be different. Um, But knowing his own faults will keep him from comparing himself to the other. Um, There's a transparency that should be among believers in Christ, that we know each other, um, that we love each other. Um, Transparency. Uh, Unity does involve transparency. Um, Next, unity requires training. Unity requires training. In um, Titus chapter 2, Paul explains to Titus how this training um, should take place. In Titus chapter 2, in verses 1 to 8. And think of of this among a, a family of believers, among a church. Is this not unity? Um, Titus chapter 2, sorry, in verse 1, But speak thou the things which become in sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in love and patience, the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good and obedient to their husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men, likewise, exhort to be sober-minded, in all things showing thyselves a pattern of good works, and doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity and sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. That, that would be unity in a body of believers and everyone um, living and learning together and growing together in unity. There's that transparency in unity and also training. Also training that comes with unity. Um, and um, finally, we know that a testimony of love. A testimony of love. And we think of transparency, training, and testimony of love. Um, the testimony of love we've talked a lot about. Uh, you know, and we, I know we read those verses in John 17 and we read in 1 John 4. Um, if we look at um, John 13, John 13, verses 34 and 35. We get that actual desire of the Lord Jesus spoken to the disciples. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another, or in the same way, love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. A testimony of love. Um, 
And we were in Ephesians. And how can we how can we have this testimony of love? What does it look like in the church? Um, we see Ephesians four um, and verses eleven to sixteen. We see the spiritual gifts that we display together. Um, and what's the, the purpose of the gifts? In Ephesians chapter four. Verses 11 to 16. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, for the unity of the saints, for the completion, right, of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a complete man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lay, they lay in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. In love. Um, Those ideas of, of loving one another, unity in the body, peace, um, these are, if, if we seek peace within ourselves, if we seek peace, we have peace with God. If we seek to have peace be a part of our character and a part of our walk with God, remember grace, the grace that we've been given. It allows us to love. And, and when we love, when we love, we have unity um, within the body of Christ. Remember, um, in heaven, um, we see in Revelation chapter 5, there'll be people in heaven from every tribe, from every nation, from every language. And you think of different faces, different races, from different places, from all over the world. Um, you know, how can, we, how can we divide ourselves? How can we divide ourselves when the Lord Jesus, God the Father, paid the price for our unity? He paid the price for our unity. We walk in unity and peace, unity and grace, uh, and we'll have peace. Let's pray. Our God and our Father, we thank you. Um, we thank you for intervening in our lives, for bringing someone along the way that just shared with us 
the gospel, shared with us the good news at a time when your Holy Spirit was working. Lord, we know not how, know not the, the specifics of this, uh, the imparting of grace to us. We know, we know whom we have believed. And we know that You're able to keep that which we've committed to You and to the end, and we've committed our souls to You. Um, Lord, we thank You for giving us this grace, um, for calling us Your children, and for saving us. And we pray that our testimony would be that we love one another. Um, we pray that um, as we think about um, as we think about these things, Lord, that our spiritual passion um, would be complete in the peace that we have with you and the peace that we enjoy with you and the peace that we have um, about our spiritual life. Um, Lord, we pray now that you would take us. Um, back to our homes and our communities and safety. We thank you um, for, the, for the moms here, for the women here that are passionate about their families and passionate about their children, passionate about the children that they've taught over the years, um, passionate about the Lord Jesus. Um, and Lord, we pray that um, we would continue to learn um, to learn from the, the women in our lives um, about that controlled passion um, and um, submitting those passions to You. And Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' most precious and holy name. Amen.